I'm Tom Savini, and you're listening to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Obviously. Happy Halloween, ghosts and ghouls, and welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we are dead serious about horror movies. This October, in the spirit of Samhain, your horror hosts, Gilman Joel, Dr. Shock, and the Wolfman. We'll be putting aside our regular review format to take a nostalgic stroll down memory lane. In this episode, we bring you Horror Movie Podcast Rents a Video. Okay, we are joined at this point in the show by David Weiner. He has been a guest on our show previously to this. If you heard our Body Snatchers episode, we had a great discussion with him there. Um, he is a former journalist and magazine editor uh, for Famous Monsters of Filmland, which is, is really cool. Also held some impressive positions at other places you'd have heard about, like uh, LA Weekly and Entertainment Tonight and those types of places. But uh, David now is a full-time documentary filmmaker, and we had him on last time to talk about his film In Search of Tomorrow, which was uh, launching its Kickstarter campaign at that time. It was a follow-up to his 2019 documentary, In Search of Darkness, that we were big fans of and talked about on the show uh, before knowing anything about David, just loving it as fans of of films. And uh, we're having David back on today to talk about, yeah, video store nostalgia, but also he has a follow-up to In Search of Darkness, a sequel, in fact, to In Search of Darkness, so we're very excited to talk about what, that with him today. David Weiner, welcome back to Horror Movie Podcast. Thank you so much. Happy to be back with you guys and uh, happy to be celebrating Halloween in whatever form we can this year. Yeah. We were on episode 200 of our show just a couple episodes ago, and we were telling our origin stories of podcasting, and each of us had a J or a Jason involved in it. So it was getting very confusing because we referenced three or four different J's and Jason's, but we were talking about different people. Now we've got two Davids on the line. <laughs> so uh, we'll try to keep everybody straight, but um, yeah. So yeah, we're glad to have you back. We're just spending this month talking about nostalgia. You know, we, we talked about going to the drive-in, going to the movie theater, which apparently was hard on some people to kind of get into that uh, movie theater nostalgia mode, realizing that it was going to be a while before they could really experience it again. Um, so we apologize to any listeners who that uh, brought up some issues for. I did hear from a few people. Hmm. But today we're talking about going to the video store. And I think for especially horror and sci-fi fans, that's one of those things that um, – you know, all of us talk about, oh, I remember seeing that video case with this, you know, the specific artwork on it for years before ever renting it. And um, that's something we always talk about on the show. It just comes up a lot. I think going back to, you know, 70s and 80s films. And as Dave talked about, 
previously with Poltergeist and having enjoyed seeing it in the theater so much and feeling like, um, you know, oh no, it wasn't Poltergeist. It was when you had seen, was it Raiders of the Lost Ark for the third time? Yes. Thinking, oh, I'm, this was my favorite film and I'm probably never going to be able to see it again. <laughs> right. That feeling of just feeling like you, you know, that was your window to see a film. And I, the one story I wanted to kick this off with was I remember um, my mom pulling me aside one night, like we were having a serious family discussion and she had taken me to a local playground and I had been playing like wall ball with one of those big rubber, you know, uh, recess bouncing balls. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she, she said, come over here. I want to talk to you about something. This is important. And she was already divorced. So I didn't know what it was going to be, but it was, I was scared. Um, and she said, listen, there's this new invention called a VCR <laughs> and, uh, they're very expensive. She was a student at the time on a student's budget. And she said, now it's really cool. And, you know, we can watch movies at our house anytime we want. It's great. But I just want you to know, if we make this purchase, we're probably never going to be able to afford to go to the movie theater again. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And so it was was like this Sophie's choice. I I remember as they're sitting there as a little kid going, oh, man. Well, one hand, it would be nice to be able to, record G.I. Joe off TV, but on the other hand, never going to the movie theater again. And, uh, of course, that didn't last. You know, we, we immediately started, kept going to movies as soon as we had a VCR. But I do remember that moment of feeling like this was going to change everything. And in a lot of ways, it did change everything um, in terms of the way we consume media. And, you know, I, I, that that for sure happened. Thankfully, it didn't do away with the movie theater experience uh, for me personally. But, um, yeah, I you know, a lot of like key moments in my life revolve around the video store, you know, uh, early dating experiences as a young man, you know, that was where we would uh, take a young lady and, and pick out a movie <laughs> for how we're going to spend our evening. Um, you know, friends in high school, we would spend hours and hours walking around the video store, not being able to decide on films and, you know, we'd be holding four up in the air and how many votes for this, how many votes for this. And, you know, we'd waste, waste our whole night picking the movie and, you know, let alone watching it. And, um, but then there were also things like, you know, I've talked about this on the show a lot of times, but the thing that made me want to start filmmaking was seeing the making of thriller. And that was a video that I just rented every single time I went to the video store, Mm. I'd I'd get whatever the other thing I was interested in, you know, Condor man or, (laughs) you know, nightmare on Elm street. And then the making of thriller and watch that over and over and over again. Cause I just had never, been exposed to how films were made before previous to that. So um, there, yeah, I mean, the video store played a big role in my life and, you know, I would eventually work at a video store in in high or in college. That was my college job. It was the, the very last hurrah for the video store. I mean, it was, we saw DVDs come in and then take over everything. And then HD DVD and Blu-ray come in and then the entire business model fail. It was crazy to be there during that time. Um, uh, but it was really interesting, you know, at the same time. But, yeah, I mean, I would just love to hear about some of your uh, nostalgic video store memories, guys, be it as little children or, you know, older. I know, David, I know you worked at a video store yourself. Mm-hmm. Um why don't you go ahead and take it first and just uh, tell us about what the video store was like for you? 
Well, it's it's funny that you mentioned that you you sort of with Raiders of the Lost Ark, you were worried that you were never going to be able to see it again. Um, that was kind of the case. Uh, I grew up. I was born in '68. I was a '70s and an early '80s kid, and uh, movies were you went to the movie theater. That's all you had. Um, and my favorite movie experiences uh, oftentimes would end up because you would see these things over and over and over while they were out. Um, sort of the last dash before hitting Nowheresville uh, was this one theater that I used to go to where it was a 99-cent movie, and they changed it every single week. And I saw a lot of amazing movies there. It was right around the time that I kind of saw as many as I could that cable kind of popped up. And my friends had cable. I didn't have cable, but I, I saw that you could see you know, on HBO uh, all these amazing movies. And I started befriending, I, you know, I already had, these were already my friends, but I, I, I would pick specific friends who had cable <laughs> if I knew something was going to be on cable so I could conveniently show up at their house and watch some movies uh, just because my parents just, they weren't going to go that route. Um, and I don't think, I think my parents were late adopters of, of VCR and VCR and, you know, VHS as well. Uh, definitely never laser disc. Uh, but my memory is, it's not kind of a clean line of a memory, but I, I think I bought, in fact, I know now that I bought my own, I had to buy it myself. I bought my own VCR because my wow. parents wouldn't. <laughs> and uh, and boy, that just rocked my world because all of a sudden you have, you know, the video experience to me was you you get to swim in an ocean of all the movies that you've heard of, that you've wanted to see, that you've never heard of before. And, uh, you know, I was young, so obviously I couldn't get certain movies, but it seemed much more lax, you know, with the ratings. Um, and sometimes you could say it was just for your parents, so you can kind of get anything you wanted and no one right. seemed to care. So that, I mean, I, I, I remember The Hunger, for example, Tony Scott's The Hunger. I saw that on, on, on video. And I remember just, I had read about that and uh, someone told me that it was really good, but it was impossible to find. And then, so, mm -hmm. so the, 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 just the pure joy of seeing the video store, having that on its shelf and you're like, oh, oh my God, this is the movie that I, I've wanted to see. And I get to take it home and I get to watch it when I want to watch it on demand, which wasn't a concept or a word back then. Uh, it, it just was amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I did, I did, when I moved from New York to Chicago, uh, I didn't know anybody. And uh, uh, there was a video store. I lived in a suburban area of Chicago, and there was a video store diagonally down the street, across the street from where I lived. And I spent a lot of quality time there, constantly renting movies to the point where the, the guy, the mom and pop owner, just knew me. And, um, you know, I, I offered, I said, Hey, if you ever need anyone, you know, to help out, I'd, I'd love to do it. Cause I, I literally had no, nothing to do and no life. And I was, I think I, I was 16 <laughs> years old and, uh, he, I was very fortunate that he gave the responsibility to help out there. And, um, I guess I proved that I could kind of count pennies at the register because he let me work there for the entire summer. And, um, It was, it was just a, uh, an abundance of joy because I could take anything home I wanted to and I can watch any movie I wanted to. And, 
I just have, uh, like many people, happy, happy memories. And uh, lastly, I'll say, and we could obviously talk more about it, is it was an important thing that I wanted to include in In Search of Darkness, uh, just that experience mm-hmm. of what it was like. Because it, it was also essentially, we, we really sort of romanticize it now, but it was essentially a mundane experience. You had to go out. You had <laughs> to go to the store. If you wanted something, you got you, you had to hope that it was there and hope that someone else didn't rent the one or two copies they had. Um, and you, you just had to choose something and sometimes it wasn't so easy, but there's a certain absolute charm of the tangible, holding these things in your hand, uh, being captured by the, the box art lurid or not reading about who was in it, who made it, who did it. It kind of, uh, educated you from a film point of view of knowing, oh, well, my favorite actor's in there. Oh, that's my favorite director. I recognize that name. I have no idea what the, I have no idea who Dino De Laurentiis is, but he's, his name is on every movie that I love, <laughs> from Flash Gordon to King Kong to, you know, Conan the Barbarian. I'll, I'll, t- I'll rent it because Dino did something here. And um, I think we all have a, a, a shared love of that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, it's fun to talk about and reminisce. Yeah. I mean, you know, we had uh, Daryl for Retro Movie Geek on a few episodes ago talking about uh, New York back in the in the heyday of um, grindhouse theaters and all of that. And he talked about how these forced double features uh, made people more uh, broadly film educated, that it kind of forced you to watch these odd pairings of movies, mm. forced you to watch genres maybe you would normally wouldn't and films maybe you normally wouldn't because, you know, there'd be a classic musical mixed with a new low-budget horror film and you watch both of them. And so you kind of got a broader um, experience. And I think although the video um, – tamped that down a little bit because you go get get exactly what you wanted and you could indulge in it at home. There still was that experience of committing to what you were going to watch that night. Like that you don't have with online media. You know, if if I'm three minutes into a Netflix film and I don't feel like watching it, I'm just going to change it. (laughs) I'm not wasting my evening. The the world is littered with, with, uh, with, with rejected three minute in things. (laughs) of anything yeah. online you know yeah. it's like it, it's almost like you know it used to be it's like if it doesn't grab you in 10 minutes you know but uh now it's just like it doesn't catch you in in the trailer <laughs> that they force on you down your throat then forget it you know and i on top of that not to you know go too crazy about it but it's like that experience of going to the video store is all but gone now um yeah and so I cannot tell you how frustrating an experience it is when I sit there with my son and I say, here's the, some great movies. And he, he judges by the cover that is offered on streaming now. And it's usually pretty basic and pretty unexciting because I just want to show some recognizable faces. And I'm like, yes. oh, it's really good. He's like, nah, not interested. Nah, not interested. <laughs> and 45 minutes later, I'm like, you must choose in the next seven, <laughs> seven swipes. <laughs> Otherwise, guess what? We're not even going to watch. I, I get, I get, you know, slightly livid just because the experience is frustrating. So, um, yeah, yeah. Well, longtime listener of our show, uh, Nathan Toll. We just he just tweeted this 17 hours ago. I'm looking at it. Um, it's on our timeline. He said, "Here I am at the world's last blockbuster video. I was hoping to get Fright Night, but they didn't have it, so I had to choose another film. 
Hellfest. And so I think that's just funny. I mean, that's kind of, that was the experience. Like, well, I was hoping to get Fright Night. My whole, my whole, he's wearing a Fright Night t-shirt, in fact. So his whole evening was planned on getting Fright Night. (laughs) But they didn't have it, so we got Hellfest. (laughs) That that also singles out the, the sort of the difference between the online streaming experience versus the video store experiences. Uh, oftentimes, you know, if you didn't get what you wanted, you have to you had to watch something else, and because you wanted to watch something, and that was the whole point of making the trip in the first place. Right. But there's a certain amount of tenacity required that you have to wait patiently sometimes to watch something. <laughs> so when you yeah. did finally see it, whether it was ultimately good or not, it was rewarding because you're like, ah, finally, I've got it. It's got it in my hands. It's you know, I guess the equivalent <laughs> is if you have to order something on Amazon and make that painful wait of, you know, two days to, you know, two weeks <laughs> to get it, you finally get it and you probably forgot you ordered it, but there, <laughs> there's a certain amount of, uh, the patient, you know, the patience pays off. And, uh, I there would be, there would be that quest sometimes too, where they say, well, we don't have it, but they have it across town. Right. And so, right. And you hold it for me. We're going right now. You guys have 30 minutes to get there and then they're going to put it back on the shelf. You know, I think that's <laughs> in my DNA from my dad. My dad <laughs> used to be like, just for no good reason. He's like, we're going to get this thing today. And we'd have to go across town and zigzag to four stores until we finally got the most unnecessary thing but it was an activity and it was like a quest you know it was like a suburban quest with uh clark griswold it was that kind of stuff that's sort of imprinted in my dna so what about you dave what's your uh, video store origin story uh well my origin story i, I gotta go back to i i want to say it was uh it was in 1983 when we got our first vcr and my father was always big on technology he always got in early but that meant he paid out the nose. I, I think he got a tape deck in his car in 1981, and I think it was like $1,200 to get a tape deck <laughs> in your car at that point. Wow. But, but he had to have it. He had to have the newest technology. So our first VCR was $1,800. Oh, my gosh. That we got in 1983, and it was this big wow. thing. And, and it actually had two parts. You could detach the one and attach it to a video camera. Well, of course, he had to buy the video camera, and that was $2,300. Oh, my gosh. So he well, at least, it, at least it doubled as a coffee table, right? Yes, exactly, right. <laughs> uh, so we got our first VCR, and then, and then um, uh, I remember there was only one video store in the area for a while there, and it was a good twenty minutes away. But we would go up there every now and again, and uh, some of the things I remember renting from there, um, I remember renting the original Frankenstein, nineteen thirty one's Frankenstein, from there. And that was kind of a life-changing experience for me, just seeing that film and how really cool it was. Uh, And then we had a 7-Eleven that was right down the road from us. And I used to love that 7-Eleven because I'd go with my father every Saturday morning, bring a dollar, and I would buy two comic books because they had a whole stand of comic books there. Then the 7-Eleven closed down, and I remember being a little depressed until it reopened as a video store, as a video rental store which is really cool. That store is still around now. Now it's a pizzeria, but it just keeps <laughs> changing hands. Uh, but when it became a video rental store, and I think it was called Premier Video, and that was the one right down the road from us, um, they had a special that if you paid $99, you got 90 free rent. You got 90 rentals. 
And I remember my father doing that. My mother giving him a hard time. He's like, my God, it's $100 right up front. Why don't you just pay for it? He's like, no, it's going to work out. Now we've got it for like a year. We're good for a year. Well, guess what? Three months later, he had to buy another $90 worth because we were kept going back and renting and renting. And I remember it was around that time. It's funny because with me, most of the, most of my experiences with the video palaces are with other genres than other than horror. Horror for me was always on cable. Cable is where I first saw The Thing and The Shining and Alien and Friday the 13th and and even some movies like The Fun House and it was it was on mm. cable TV because it really was a family thing going to the video store and none of my family liked horror. None of them. They, nobody else liked horror other than me. So we would go and pick out things. And if I came up with a horror title, uh, my father was like, nah, nah, nah. Frankenstein was okay. But anything else other than that, because it was like a, it was a family experience. I remember, you know, and David, you had mentioned about how you had to rush to get there to get the copy. Well, that was the same with us. Except when it was the last day of school. And I don't know if, I can't remember if it was 84. I want to say it was 85. I can't remember. But Revenge of the Nerds had just come out and I really wanted to see it. And I said to my, let's get there quick so we can get a copy of Revenge of the Nerds. That was the first time I walked into a store and saw multiple copies. I mean, they had about eight copies of Revenge of the Nerds. We still got, I think, one of the last ones, even though we got there early. But that was when I started to see they finally started to get more than one copy. The video right. the video stores caught on. Probably though, though there was one after that. There were video palaces. I mean, within and I lived in a small little area, a suburban area. There were probably five videos video rental places within three miles. After a while, and I found one in the back of this little strip mall. I had gone there with, with my mother to go shopping for something. And I noticed a video store and I walked in there and I was blown away because I had started to, you know, I was getting into movies. I was buying books and reading about films and everything. And this was the first one I walked into where I saw titles that I read about, but were never available any, anywhere else. And I'm talking um, A Clockwork Orange and Mean Streets and Midnight Cowboy and Straw Dogs, all of these movies that I'd read about. I never saw in any of the other video stores. So I joined that one myself and I would get up there like every other day. There was a time I rented Midnight Cowboy. I would just take it back, turn it in and rent it again for a, probably a solid three weeks. For There was a time when that was my all time favorite movie, Midnight Cowboy. And I just watched the hell out of that video all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it even got, you know, and even, you know, beyond the, the, the video stores buying the movies, I mean, and they were expensive. You know, I think we talked about that with Raiders of the Lost Ark in our, in our uh, episode where we were, you know, covering the theater, that the, when Raiders of the Lost Ark came out, they priced it at forty nine ninety five to blow it off the shelf because that was like the cheapest that was around at the time. Mm. Um, I remember when I first started to work, I got a catalog in the mail and the original Nosferatu, there was a video, the first time it was ever released on video and it was available. It was $59.95. It took two of my paychecks, but I didn't care. I had to get that original Nosferatu. And I did, I was able to get it. I got it. It's, it's, it's even different than it is now. I, I don't, I don't know how long it was. It was, it was like shorter than the versions that are out now. But it was just so cool because that was like a holy grail for me, you know, coming across Nosferatu. And I hadn't even seen that at any of the at any of the rental 
rental stores. And then, of course, as soon as Blockbuster came around, the other ones were gone. We got a Blockbuster in our area, and all of the other ones just started to shut down at that point. Um, and then it sort of, uh, you know, evolved into DVD and, and everything. But I never stopped going. I mean, and yeah, you, you look at the covers. I remember picking up this cover and I can't, I couldn't find the title of the movie, but I'm thinking, wow, this is really cool. These kids are, are like, love this uh, television show about the uh, dinosaurs and they get sucked into the TV and they're living in this world of dinosaurs. How cool is that, man? I got to see this movie. Well, I get it home. Every dinosaur was a hand puppet. <laughs> I mean, this this movie was made for about about one hundred and twenty dollars. It looked like, but still, that was that was the experience, you know. And, and everyone knows you get burned sometimes, but other times it's just you know you. And I would still go into the horror section just to look at the covers, just to look at the the covers of the videos. Um, and obviously, I was able to rent them when I got a little bit older, but it really was cable for me is where the horror. And, and, and when we, when we talk about our late night experiences, I'll have a lot you know more to say about that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really do look back with, uh, with longing to the, to the, just walking into that, to the video stores, um, you know, perusing the shelves, looking at the red curtain and saying, geez, what's behind that red curtain. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, my favorite thing about our local film society, well, where I'm at right now is in Salt Lake City, is, uh, you know, at the Art House Theater, they still have Blu-ray and DVD rentals. You know, they never got rid of them at the Film Society. So I love go- going in there to the Tower Theater to go watch a film and, you know, you can browse their Criterion collection or whatever it is. But if you're someone who's lucky enough to live in, like, Seattle or Austin or someplace L.A. where they've got a beautiful rental store that still exists go there <laughs> I, well, I definitely hope this is this is wishful thinking but because vinyl came back with a vengeance um yeah. I, I i want to believe that people ultimately enjoy going out to find their entertainment as opposed to yeah. just clicking on a button and getting instant gratification you know you could have it both ways and yeah. uh, i think yeah i think a physical video store which will also the asset to that is they, they will likely have a much broader selection. Um, So much broader. Right. Right. Scarecrow video has titles that will never be digitized. You know, (laughs) one of the really cool things of the Alamo draft house that I discovered because they, you know, they, they opened one in Los Angeles. So I finally got to Mm -hmm. go one, go to one was uh, they have, if you are a member of the Alamo draft house, they have a video. They're kind of a video store in their theater. And it's all free. It's all Ooh. you could just you just you know take it home. You don't have to yeah. pay for it because oh, they want awesome. to encourage they want to encourage uh, film appreciation and, and discussion and um, uh, you know just sort of sort of push the uh, push the medium as an art. And it, yeah. it's very cool. And I, I, I was shocked. I was like, "Are you sure? You sure this is free? Like, not just this week?" They're like, "Yeah, no, but just you know, you yeah, you take it home and you watch it, and it doesn't cost money if you're a member. You know, it's pretty cool." Yeah, I think there. I think it will never fully die. Um, physical media, you know, I think just like you said with vinyl, you know, we've seen that for sure, and I think with all these great companies like Scream Factory and. Vinegar Syndrome and Arrow Video and all these people who are put a lot of effort into their physical releases and they have so much more content than you get um, by buying or renting online. I, I, you know, I think 
film fans, cinephiles will always be there for that kind of content. And I, you know, what one thing I love about uh, like vinyls that a lot of bands will do is um, if you buy the record, you also get the digital downloads. So, like there's, you get the convenience and the art with it. So it's, it's kind of nice to have both. It's nice to be able to say, okay, great. I can throw this on my phone, but also I have this beautiful piece of vinyl in my home and I can listen to it and it sounds amazing. And I, I, I hope that we'll eventually get there with movies, uh, you know, maybe with 4k or 8k or something at some point mm. where like we settle in somewhere and say, yeah, let's keep, let's keep doing this. I, I, I do worry when companies like Blumhouse who, you know, we depend on so much for horror, you can just see that they're not interested anymore in their physical releases. And that scares me, but I feel good about like shutter whose entire business model is online that they're still printing physical copies. Like that's exciting. And so yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. I think well, with, with in search of darkness, I have to just sort of throw the hat in the ring in that, uh, you know, we, we debated, do we, do we do digital? We were always going to do a physical hold in your hand copy of the Blu-ray or the DVD, but we, we debated the value of, of digital you know, selling it at the mm-hmm. same time and how many more people are going to want digital versus uh, a copy for their collection, quote unquote, uh, because, you know, there's only so much space we all have and that kind of stuff. And the thing, times are evolving and so on and so forth. And uh, most people have declared they want a whole physical copy in their hand and they're Great. proud to display it. They're proud to have it in their collection. They like holding it. They like they, they it doesn't mean as much to them for some reason. And when I say them, I, 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 I'm, I'm on the fence myself. I have a, yeah. a huge amount of physical media, but I'm also at a point in my life where <laughs> I, I don't have the space for it. So I, <laughs> I stopped. My, my physical media collecting uh, really is down to a trickle now. Um, yeah. And, and it's not for not wanting to hold it in my hand. It's just for the, the space. But uh, everybody's yeah. different. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm, I'm retooling my collection and refining it, I guess, at this point, because there was definitely a time. I mean, David, we're on the line with it. You have no idea who you're talking to. <laughs> Dave, Dave Becker here <laughs> has <laughs> more physical media than any person alive, as far as I'm aware. But, mm. um, but I used to, there was a year, there was a time where I would just bought every single film I was even slightly interested in, I would just buy it, you know, and a lot of those years it was like when I was working at the video store too. So I got a discount and it was easy to get. And like, and so I just had, you know, the years that I was working at the video store, like end of high school through college, I have like every movie released during that, like four year period of time, you wow. know? but then, but then, you know, it's slowly gotten less and less and less, but now I really am only focusing on who are, ma- who's making beautiful releases. Like what are the films I love? Who's- and do you have your VHS collection? I, you know, I sold, I just got rid of a lot of it at the end when, because there was like the, there was a period of time when, um, the used DVD stores in our town or like the used record store, you could go and turn in 30 VHS tapes and you could go pick up two new DVDs. Mm. And so I was just doing that like crazy, you know? And then I, I I'd still, there were some films I just couldn't throw away. <laughs> And and if they and if I couldn't find a DVD, that was kind of my process. Like I would keep the VHS until I found the DVD, um, and now and then I started doing that with Blu-ray and then 4K. Like I'll keep the old version until I get the new version. But then some films like John Carpenter's Halloween, I've got every format still. You know, I think I think and, I think when you you know, especially when you come from a family where they're uh, early adopter versus family versus a late or not at all adopter family. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I, as an adult, got frustrated with 
the rapid nature of the upgrade of the media. And so, you know, VHS to DVD, I got all excited and I I bought, you know, many, many DVDs. And then Blu-ray came along and I said, wait, what's this? I just, I'm still working on the DVD collection. And then I saw, you know, I, I, I bought, I I drank the Kool-Aid about how the picture is much better. So I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put the brakes on the DVDs and now all I'm going to get is Blu-rays. And then, you know, as I just saw, you know, you get 4K, you're going to get 8K, you're going to get 26K to 900K to yeah. holograms. At a certain, <laughs> at a certain point, it's just uh, I, I'm, I give up. I give up yeah. because I can't keep up with the Joneses, and I know I won't be able to. So, yeah, for I mean, me, part of it is that te- a lot of that technology is not realized yet. So, like, 4K doesn't even truly exist in the way that we can view it. So, like, it's not like. They'll keep doing it for marketing purposes, but the way that I got one over, because I was, I'm the same as you, David. I just couldn't I imagine having just spent so much money on DVDs that I was going to redo this with with Blu-rays. But the people who won me over were the people who were releasing both, so you would get the the DVD and the Blu-ray in the right. same package. And so there was a probably five year period where I was only buying, I would only buy the Blu-ray if it also came with and the digital copy when that started. That was pretty exciting. Yeah. So you had yeah. sort of the portable yeah. concept. Yeah, I mean, I. I Go ahead, Josh. No, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I mean, for me, it's always going to be physical media because, uh, uh, and I, I think I've talked about it on the show before, is the first movie I ever recorded off of cable when we got the VCR was uh, Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. And I loved that movie when I saw, I mean, it scared the hell out of me when I saw it in the theater, but I loved it. And I just remember holding that videotape saying, I own Poltergeist. I can now watch Poltergeist <laughs> anytime I want. And it was very clearly very addicting for me because I, I then went out and I got, I remember I had such a huge, you know, we always talk about my DVD collection. I had such a huge video collection that when DVD came out, I said, you know what? I'm only going to upgrade to the movies I think will are worth upgrading to on DVD. And the first two I bought were, the Matrix and the 1999's The Mummy. Those are the first two. I said those would probably be really cool on DVD. I'm only going to do that. Yeah, that didn't last very long <laughs> because yeah. I just started buying like crazy. And I did the same thing with uh, you know when Blu-ray came out. I said, you know what? I'm not going to change. I, if I got the DVD, I'm not buying it on Blu-ray. Yeah, that lasted about a day, <laughs> and I started to upgrade to the to the Blu-rays too. But it's always going to be just that that physical medium just holding it uh, you know holding it in your hand and knowing that you can watch this anytime you want um it's just it's just something really special to me and it goes back to that whole thing with Raiders of the Lost Ark I may never see my favorite movie again you know that that was uh, that was that really that really affected me it was and, a- and- I'd like to interject and say, and you guys could completely disagree with this pretty bad bad analogy, but there was a certain amount of when you could watch it anytime you want, you kind of, after the first watch or two, didn't watch it that much, but you knew you could, and you liked having it at at, at your fingertips. And it's almost like... You know, your significant other, when you are not living together, you want to be with each other every moment of every, you know, day and you can do, you do your best (laughs) and you look forward to it. But all of a sudden when you're together, it's, uh, and you can do it whenever you want, whatever it is, whatever it is, (laughs) it's, it's, (laughs) it's, you don't do it as often because you know, you can do it as often as you want. And so you don't, and there's sort of a. What I'm ultimately saying with, you know, a, a racy or bad analogy is that there's there's a certain 
psychological element of, of the anticipation that when you own it yourself, it's kind of missing. Yeah, I, I, that, that's true now. I think it's, it's more true now than it was when I first uh, was, you know, when I, when I was first collecting and I was getting movies off of cable and buying, buying the films because my brother hates the road warrior because he hates it because I watched it every other day <laughs> for, for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. He can't stand that movie because I, I just, I watched it so much. He's like, you can't be watching this again. And you'd say what? you can run, but you can't hide from yeah. the viewing of the road warrior. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and even, even when I got the uncut version of Leone's once upon a time in America, I watched that once a week for three months solid. And I fell in love with that movie, just like I fell in love with so many other movies. Because it, again, there was just there was such an excitement about videotape and owning the movie. And I'm talking pan and scan, mono audio. It didn't make any difference because I had it and I could watch it whenever I want to. I really, it just meant so much to me being a movie fan and having read about. I mean, I had been, I had read about a lot of these films, and I had uh, you know, and to now have a chance to actually own them. Yeah, it was very addicting for me. Now I agree with you because now when you get it, you like you, you watch it once. Uh, you said, "Okay, yeah, I got it." And then you have so I have so many. It's it's like, okay, do I want to watch Jaws again or do I want to watch something that I haven't seen yet? Because I I have so many movies that I own that I haven't actually watched yet. And it's also that that meme in in real life that meme of the uh, the boyfriend and the girlfriend taking a walk and he's checking out the new girl walking right by. You know, right. that right. qualifies for pretty much everything and that includes media and the new purchase of something, you know? Yes. You know, I, I, I want to tell this story to David just because um, I know that there are so many listeners who actually don't know about this, Dave, because, you know, we've got we've, we've turned over so many listeners and I'm sure they get glimpses of what your film blog and everything were. But really, we haven't right. talked about it in probably four or five years. So, right. you know, the, the, so Dave ran a website called dvdinfatuation.com um and he would watch and review one movie every day on dvd like he would only review it if he had the physical copy and so he would buy every single movie that he reviewed for his website and so his goal uh, maybe i should be letting you explain this dave but um do you want to explain it no your goal was to okay well so your goal his goal was to review 2500 movies and he figured that out that if he did a movie a day, that would be look looked like about seven years. Is that right, Dave? Yeah. So, yeah. And so Dave currently, so he did it. He accomplished his goal. He reviewed a movie a day for seven years, 2,500 movies. He currently owns over 10,000 DVDs and Blu-rays. Wow. It took him seven years to watch 2,500. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm never going to see all those movies. I'll never, I'll, I'm, yes, I'll never see all those movies. But I've been collecting DVDs. It's, I, I realize now it's been almost – this May, it will be 20 years that I've been collecting DVDs. And it was around, I guess, 2010 that I started collecting Blu-ray. Or I don't know if it was 2010 or 2011 I started collecting Blu-rays. Um, the first Blu-ray I ever bought was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, the, the, the Toby Hooper's classic, I, I, which is my all-time favorite horror film. That was the first Blu-ray I ever bought. Um, so I've been collecting a lot. And yes, the thing is, I mean, what happens with me is uh, I see a movie by a director and I'm really impressed. So I go on and I say, okay, let's get some other movies of his. And next thing I know, I got like five of his movies that I got lined up. 
But before I can watch them, another director catches my interest or another, you know, group of films, Full Moon or something will catch my attention and I'll end up buying them. And um, I mean, my God, I was looking through it. I have like eight Uwe Boll films. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I remember talking to a cousin of mine and my cousin was showing me, oh, you want to see my collection? I go, sure. And he shows me his collection. He's got like 11 movies there. He goes, yeah, you know, I just buy them. If I really like them, I'll pick them up. I go, dude, I got more movies with the word cannibal in the title than you have. <laughs> Way more. Probably like I 10 see times. I Cannibal Holocaust, but where's Cannibal Ferox? Yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I mean, it's one thing that's been interesting as we've been talking about this too is I realized I actually didn't buy um, VHS tapes until probably I was – in my late teens, most of them were recorded off TV, had all these blank tapes with like three movies on each tape. You know, we'd rent videotapes with the artwork, but a lot of that, I think maybe that's why DVD caught on for me so much more is which is a time in my life where I could afford, you know, it coming with all the artwork and special features. And that was very exciting. And also because I was at the right age where I was in film school. And so it's like, Oh, like all I wanted all these special features and I, you know, but, um, we're almost done here, but I, I would love to hear any other stories you guys have about later in life that, that you think are worth sharing. I just, one thing I wanted to say was my experience working at a video store in college. I realized during this pandemic, it's so, it's interesting how many things this has brought out of us. But for me, I just realized how much that communal nature of it is so important to us as human beings, because we, it's so easy to watch Hulu or HBO go or whatever it is and shutter and, and consume our films that way. But um, going to the drive-in again meant so much to me, you know, and, and, and I was so, you know, because it's, it's so easy to write it off and be like, well, this is such a um, inferior way to actually screen a film. Right. But it's the experience is so meaningful. And as we sit here and talk about going to the video store, I think there's a similar thing. Like I really, really miss just going into a place, talking to people. And when I worked there, my job was recommend movies to people. And, you know, you, you think back about like the Quentin Tarantino era and like mm-hmm. and Kevin Smith era. And I was kind of like the tail end of it. But working in that video store, I felt like I was a part of it, you know? And well, I, 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 I think the type, the types of people that we are is that we, we yeah. amass the, the, this insane amount of useless factoids in our brain. About <laughs> movies. Yeah. And, and and the opportunity to be able to spill that knowledge at, at any given time to someone who's actually interested. And that's what we're doing right now, in a way, right? Sure. So in a pre-podcasting, pre-In Search of Darkness world, you know, where do you where did you get to exercise this muscle? It's you you could be a journalist or a film professor. And or a video really, store clerk. Or a video store clerk. And those were like the places you could you could exercise that muscle. And you'd aspire to have your picks on the staff picks wall. And you and you and yeah. if, even if you got the additional uh, option to write a reason why you think it's great, I mean those were those were important little nuggets in our lives. Um, because we did get to share ultimately our, our passion for movies. And, and, you know, whether it was back then or even more so now, people are just overwhelmed by the, the options, the choices, the amount of content, good, bad, and, and in between. And so to be able to curate that, to be able to point people into some 
subgenres that they they've only heard about or didn't know existed to <laughs> to tell them what the differences between cannibal holocaust and cannibal ferox really is uh yeah. if they're so interested i mean that's the kind of stuff that i think gives all of us joy and um you know by having a quote-unquote power position to <laughs> you know sit behind the desk at, at a video store um, that was a pretty cool thing. And I remember that was, that was part of the reward for me for, you know, a, like an hour, right. an hour, hourly wage job. <laughs> and it was, it was lovely, right? I mean, it was a, it's, it was such a great, I mean, I needed more money eventually, but I was in heaven in a way, you know, like to get to pick out the movie that was playing on screen and talk about movies all day with a bunch of other nerds. And like, I was, I was in my ideal situation. Mm-hmm. You were in your element. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank you guys for uh, taking a walk down memory lane with me here. It's been a lot of fun, and I think our listeners will enjoy it. We want to hear from the listeners. If you have your own video store stories, come and leave them in the comments. I have more. We'll we'll talk back and forth at the comments at horrormoviepodcast.com. But before we go, we are going to have a couple of fun things. First of all, we are going to hear for some, from some friends at Retro Movie Geek. But also, while we have David here, He's got some amazing news, which I alluded to earlier, but there is going to be a sequel to In Search of Darkness. So, yes. David, tell us about that. Yeah, In Search of Darkness Part 2. I'll bet you didn't know it was going to be called that. And um, <laughs> it's uh, it's it, the movie is actually done, and the movie is available now to pre-order uh, until between now and, and Halloween at midnight is the only opportunity to get this thing. Uh, wow. The reason why we're doing a pre-order is, once again, we're giving people the opportunity to get their name in the credits, which is a super cool thing. And we're packaging it with a variety of really neat things. We've got a, a trio of super cool posters. Uh, we've, you can get the Blu-ray or the DVD, uh, the soundtrack. You get a digital copy of In Search of Darkness Part 2 and In Search of Darkness Part 1. You get digital copies for both. And if you missed your opportunity to get In Search of Darkness Part 1, the physical media, like some people like to do, uh, there, there's an option to get that additionally as well for a real inexpensive price. Um, and packaging the whole thing together in addition to uh, a set of Ginsu knives. So we're making this available now uh, and it's between now and Halloween and you go to eighties horror and all the socials are at eighties horror doc. And uh, if you liked in search of darkness, uh, I really think you'll like in search of darkness part two, because it's a continuation uh, in search of darkness. Part one was four and a half hours of eighties horror goodness with upwards of 50 people, uh, icons of the era talking about it, you know, John Carpenter and Heather Langenkamp and Doug Bradley and Kane Hodder and Kelly Maroney and Barbara Crampton. The list goes on and on. Some really cool folks uh, and effects folks. Uh, and this time around, we've got 15 more people. Uh, actually did 23 more interviews, but 15 new faces, with including uh, Freddy Krueger, you know, Robert Englund himself, Tom Savini, the uh, the Wizard of Gore, the, the Sultan of Splatter, uh, Linnea Quigley, Nancy Allen. It's a very cool list. We're very proud of it. Um, it's uh, close to 40 of the folks who were in the last film. Uh, their material is coming over. It's all brand new material and brand new interviews and unheard stories and it's a big collection of horror icons talking about not only their films, but the movies that they loved and why the era was so important to them. 
Amazing. Awesome. Yeah, we we loved In Search of Darkness. If yeah. you're having any qualms about getting this film, go back and listen to Dave's review of In Search of Darkness on Horror Movie Podcast episode 192, and I think you'll know whether or not you want to get this one. I mean, it's uh is incredible. I, 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 I anyone am listening to this show is going to like the movie. Yeah, I'm looking forward. I can't wait to see uh, to see part two. I absolutely loved part one, David. I thought it was amazing. Uh, anyone who hasn't seen part one, you've got to do it immediately. I mean, go and watch it right now. And uh, I can't wait to see uh, to see part two. Awesome. Well, everyone, check out the show notes. We all have links to all the places you can find the information about that film, all the socials, the film itself, as well as all of David's personal links, all in the show notes at horrormoviepodcast.com. David, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. We'd yes. love to have you back another time to talk uh, about movies, actual movies, instead of just our, our love for them. But it's always great to uh, do some of these nostalgia-driven shows as well. Yeah, I, I very much live in the past, happily. I do have one toe <laughs> in the present. You know, I have an, a pinky toe, you know, aimed towards the future, but uh, the other foot is firmly planted in the past and I'm proud of it. And um, I think the, these movies that I get to do are like the ultimate comfort blanket, but they also provide some new recontextualization. It's kind of interesting stuff. And uh, it's always a pleasure chatting with you guys. I appreciate you having me on to get nostalgic and reminisce and, you know, sort of take the broad strokes of uh, the appreciation of, of the, uh, of the culture of, of, of watching movies, you know, there's something to be said for that. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Gilman Joel here, and I am joined for this quick segment by the one and the only from Retro Movie Geek, Terror on the Tube, occasionally Land of the Creeps, occasionally the Undead Wookiee, the one and only Pumpkinhead Peter. So this is what it looks like on HMP. Well, for, for the special episodes, I'm not on, well, I'm, I'm not in the inner sanctum yet. Well, here's the deal. It's special, partly because you're here, so... You know, see, you see something about HMP. It makes me suddenly nice to you. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what happened. This is great. I, I don't, I'm not sure I can handle that. <laughs> okay. But what you can handle is jumping directly into some tales of the video rental store. You and I both, we've, we've gone uh, both on mic and off mic a lot. We have talked a lot about video rental stores, our experience in them. And I know that you worked at a video rental store in Denmark, right? Not in Denmark. No, man. I, I, I left Denmark when I was six years old. <laughs> so not in Denmark, Sweden. No, in Sweden. Yeah. For seven years. You worked at it. For, oh, you worked at it for seven years. Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. I knew it was a oh. couple of years. I didn't know it was that long. Okay, cool. Yeah. Seven years. So you have, you might have a story or two to tell. Yeah. I mean, what's cool about this, this story. I mean, when we were kids, uh, the town here uh, didn't really have a video store. Well, because uh, the video stores didn't really hit until, wow, I don't really know. Late 80s, 90s, I'm not even sure. But when uh, VHS started to, because uh, the VHS flooded the market with a lot of rentals, the movies you could rent, because that, that was a new thing. And uh, it popped up here and there. I know we had a kind of like a, a burger place who put up uh, three or four shelves. I think there was 
15 movies to rent <laughs> at the burger place. Yep. Wow. Everyone was trying to cash in. And uh, then one of our uh, uh, local stores was sold. Uh, he, he started selling uh, the hardware, the, the VCRs and all that and the TVs and radios. He, there was kind of like a radio shack. And he uh, saw the potential to it. But at first, he didn't really have any shelves or stuff like that. We, we flicked through uh, kind of like cardboard boxes with tapes in them. And then after a little while, I think I wrote about this in one of my reviews on Forgotten Flakes way back. Uh, he kind of redid the whole back room and put off uh, shelves on three of the walls with all sorts of lovely goodness. All Everything from kung fu movies to... To, to action movies and I'm sure there was some r- romantic stuff too but we didn't really look at that at that age but uh and then the it, the video stores kind of started popping up here we had two at uh, at one point in town so that was kind of cool so how old were you when you started working at one oh it is I mean it was 2000 actually and it it came about I mean, we'd rent we'd rented movies in that uh, particular store for it, it's it's with the oldest one actually, and the old lady who worked there uh, became kind of our I don't know extra grandma because she she looked out for us and and uh, and made sure we everything was all right and she was always there. And uh, weirdly enough, we didn't even think it, it strange to rent porn when she was there. So, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. So and and what was cool and in 2000 and uh, yeah, in 2000, when she asked me, it wasn't her store. She just worked there. So the woman, the, the, the nice old lady that we've kind of considered being our extra grandma became a co-worker, which was beyond cool. So two thousand dollars asked because. Uh, the girl who uh, who owned it uh, at that time had had it for a couple of years together with her uh, with a boyfriend, and uh, then he got sick and, and passed away. And uh, she was she was going to sell it first, but then she had it for a couple of years. And the help she had was a lot of these young guys who didn't really they didn't stay on for long, and you couldn't really trust them with anything because they're young guys. And yeah, so. All of a sudden, uh, the old lady, Yachty, was her name. Um, she's no longer here, sadly. But uh, she told her, well, why not ask Peter? And she said, well, it, it, but he's, he's older. Would he really want to? And, and would that be okay? And she says, well, first of all, I'm old. And he, it would, I mean, I know he will, he'll stay on because he, he, he likes this. So she asked me, and uh, I was there for seven years. What was the name of the store? Do you remember? Uh, it was called Video Service. Video Service. Just video Service is, is what yeah. it translates to. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Had nothing to do with servicing videos and, and stuff like that. And it was just about uh, VHS. Okay. And you had been, like you said, you had been going to the store for a while. Yeah. Yeah, because the, the old owner uh, was a guy who. Uh, who was really cool. He, he, he took extra work as a bouncer once in a while to, to when, uh, when the money was scarce and then the, in the video rental, uh, industry. And he had, when we were kids, he had, uh, uh, a, a blowout of a photo he had, he had taken a long 
time ago when he was younger. It was set in the uh, one of the walls, and it was him shaking hands with uh, Chuck Norris, which to us young kids were just wow. He he met wow. That's that's Chuck Norris. Oh okay. So uh, so we've been going there from well, from we were kids. So did you have any specific to maybe horror? stories like and obviously they don't have to be horrifying in and of themselves but related to horror movies at either at from the perspective of a fan do you have any specific memories or even just as somebody who worked there not horror stories per se because working there was i, I remember every uh, once in a while people came in oh, it must be really cool working here you can watch all the movies you want and all of that that yeah sure we could but that wasn't really the f- the fun part of it because over the years I worked, I came to, I mean, you saw a lot of the young kids going in. And over the course of seven years, you, you see them grow up from kids to teens. And you get to know a lot of different people, young, old, uh, and, and uh, every ethnicities and and uh, punk rockers to, to folk music. And, and you, yeah, you get the gist. Everyone is, goes to the movie store. To, to watch movies. And what I miss the most, actually, from that store is the interaction, the people, the talks. Because once in a while, people just came in and uh, uh, bought candy and a Coke and just stood there and talking for a while and, and just for the company's sake. So that's kind of what I miss the most. So I don't really have any ho- horror stories per se, other than the first day I worked there alone was a busy-ass... Well, I, no, wait, wait, the actual, the, the first sense of dread, I, that, that, it was a Saturday. It was the first, the first day I was there alone. Because the other guy, to, to, to learn a couple of days, you had people there to kind of show you the ropes. And I was left there on a Saturday. It was an Easter weekend. And there was a lot, it, it was a busy day, but I didn't think much about it. And the day after, the old lady, Yachty, uh, was supposed to work on the Sunday. And... A couple of minutes after the store opened, she called me at home and says, Hey, Peter. I was like, yeah, what the hell did you do yesterday? I was like, oh, my God, what have I done now? Did I forget to lock? Did I didn't what the alarm or what the hell did I do something wrong? And I freaked out. And she said, no, you didn't do anything wrong. But how many movies did you rent out? I said, well, a lot. And it turned out to be I still have the record. <laughs> <laughs> for most money pulled in for one day. Uh, wow, impressive. I think uh, I think it was $1000 or something around that. Wow. For one day. It was a bit I thought that was a bit uh, that was a regular Saturday. <laughs> it was your first but when Saturday. When you came on on the Sunday, you, we had kind of had the uh, you know where you had the slot where you can uh, return the movie uh, if you don't if you don't have time to come in when it's open. And she said the box under there, which was a fairly big box, it was filled and the movie spilled out onto the floor. So that, that's kind of the horror because I thought, oh, what did I do now? Did I do something wrong? Did I? No, she said, you, you rented out a lot of movies yesterday, didn't you? Well, yeah. So uh, other than that, it's mostly been fun. So and it's mostly nice memories from what I have. But the good part is uh, I got to work at the store where, where I uh, grew up renting movies. Yeah, that is very cool. Well, I will just jump in and say, uh, for me, my sto- my stories are coming more from the person going to the store and renting things perspective. A lot of my memories, like I had a lot of these 
fragmented memories and moments of just images of sort of like horror movie ephemera at video stores. So like I could still remember it would be around, you know, 19, I guess, when did uh, My Demon Lover come out? Wasn't that around 87? Was that an 87 movie? 86, 87, yeah, somewhere yeah. there? we did cover that. Yeah, we, we did cover that on uh, Retro yeah. Movie Geek. <laughs> I think it was 87. I think so. I think so. But it would have been right around the time he came out on video. I remember that poster with Scott Valentine and, you know, he's got his hand around the girl's back and you can see it's a demon hand or whatever. I remember yep, yep. seeing I, did, I can visualize it to this day on the, the back of the door. And I so I have all these memories. But the video store that I when I would go visit my dad every other weekend, you know, because, hey, I was a child of the 80s and thus my parents had to be divorced. It was required by law. Yeah, I think so. It was, and yeah, it was in a contract. Somewhere. It was in a contract. Yeah, if you were a child of the '80s, you had to uh, have had to, had that experience. But uh, <laughs> I remember when we, my sister and I, would go visit him. Within walking distance from my grandmother's house, which is where he was, that there was a video store called Armchair Theater, and mm-hmm. I think they may have even spelled it in that fan, well, fancy to to us Americans kind of way, where it's it's sort of the British, the T H E A T R E. You know, that's like the more, I guess it's the British oh. way of spelling instead of E-R. You know, I, I feel like that may have been how it was spelled. I don't I don't recall, but that's what I have in my memory. But I can remember, and this would have been, oh, gee, a, it definitely mid-80s, 85-ish, somewhere there, maybe 86 in that time period. And I remember going in, and they still had some beta up on the wall, beta tapes. Mm-hmm. And I remember nice. seeing Ghoulies and being mesmerized because it was on the new release shelf for beta and they had the ghoulies with the little green bald one popping up out of the toilet and then i remember and we probably went to that particular video store for a few different years because then around 87 going into 88 evil dead 2 was on the new release rack and i remember seeing that skull on you remember the box where you skull with that one eye staring at you yep or the two i guess it's two eyes right it's like you could kind of i'd have to look at it. i don't have it in front of me but it's two eyes it's two uh, eyes yeah, yeah exactly. it's, it's like That's a profile uh, kind of my, shot my blood red laser disc has that one yeah and it's it's like a profile but it's kind of a little bit turned toward you oh wow you're not gonna take that bait oh i'm not no i'm, I'm trying to be good <laughs> oh we're civil here sorry we're civil here yes yes but i remember being just fascinated slash horrified by that and when i turned it over and it was the box where you could see it was the shot where ash his uh hand that has already been cut off is strangling him so you could Ah, see like the stump of it and he's got that horrified look on his face and i remember that freaked Mm -hmm. me out so i thought this movie this movie is off limits this movie is dangerous there is something wrong with this movie and then of course a few years later i'd find it and watch it and be obsessed with it but that's another story so i just (laughs) those are a lot of my memories or things like that but i i have the 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 rental uh, ones because like browsing the the horror section and looking at, at the covers at, uh, when you're a kid and you you re- see a lot of these movies and think this this is going to scar me and this I <laughs> yes. can never watch this. Yeah. And I remember passing the uh, Kingdom of Spiders, you know, the one with yep. um, Shatner, uh, with w- w- Shatner. I passed that movie so many times and me being a arachnophobe, I was that, that this movie is is pure evil and I'm never going to survive <laughs> watching it. So I never rented it. That's funny. And it's the same with uh, with um, uh, with the movie Linda Blair, uh, Hell Knight. Yeah, w- that that classic shot where where she's kind of uh, with the the gate, the yep. iron gate. Yep. She's kind of uh, hanging off that. That is terrifying. 
because you start wondering what and and she looks terrified in that uh, on that vhs cover so uh a lot of those vhs covers and and yeah some of them were kind of lying yes they were very misleading oftentimes yes yeah but still there's something about walking the the horror section and even even the the, the action section because a lot of the covers there were really cool yeah and also lying <laughs> but uh but at the horror section there is and, and particularly the the kingdom of spiders one i was like no 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 yeah. this is not for me well, and it's funny because you mentioned the covers, and I remember being in the video store and seeing the covers for, it was called Creepers at the time. It's the Dario Argento ah, phenomenon. Yes. And it's the yeah. it's the image of Jennifer Connelly on the cover with the bugs all over her hand. Yep. And she's sort of reaching them out to you. And I remember being freaked out by that. And shortly thereafter, and I think I've told this story both on Retro Movie Geek and maybe even H&P before, but... My cousin, who was about five years older than me, and he sort of was one of the main reasons why I got into horror like I did, even though at that age I was super sensitive and totally freaked out. But he would, you know, being the older cousin and it was sort of in that older brother role, he would rent things and he'd let me, quote unquote, watch them with him. But he would constantly tell me to cover my eyes, you know, but I remember he had rented a movie and I thought he said critters because I loved gremlins. <laughs> I had heard about Critters at some point, so I was super excited. Yeah, it turns out, no, he had, re- he had rented Creepers, and uh, yeah. I saw that yeah. when I'm like, I don't know, I guess I would have been like 10, 9, 10. I feel like I was younger than that, but it may have been like 9 or 10, because I think they came out in 85, right? And it would have been rental, probably 86. So I was probably pushing 10. And, yeah, I think I was in mid-80s. Anyway, and, so. and Critters came out in 86, so for me to have been aware of Critters, I had to. it had to have been out. So my point is, I was probably yeah, around yeah, 10, exactly. way too young to see Phenomena, in my opinion, now as a dad yeah because there are scenes in that one that, that are quite disturbing it yes is. yeah now, I, i've seen it finally i saw it decades later and i absolutely love it but that's uh, another story and then i also remember being at a video store i don't know which video store it was i ha- i feel like it was this one that was called movie warehouse that was in it's sort of in between the two towns. There's like where I went to high school in Winter Haven. There's another town called Auburndale. That's actually where my wife went to high school was Auburndale High School. And she had a family member that worked at that video store. And uh, this is before I'd met her, though. So some years before that, I'm almost positive it was at that location. It may have been a different brand of video store at that time because, you know, they would change out sometimes, like you said, other Owners would come in and buy yes. them. They might change yep. the name, that kind of thing. So I'm not sure if it was a movie warehouse at that time, but I remember seeing the cover for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And at that point, this would have been, I don't know, I'm 11, 12, somewhere in there. I feel like I was in that age range. I just remember not really, I might've heard of it, but that it was the image of Leatherface. It's like the shot from the movie where he's running at the, and it looks like it's an actual shot from the movie. It's not the one that looks drawn. It's the war or art. It's like the one that looks like it's a still from the movie where he's kind of in the suit. At the end. Yes. Yes. And it's like, he's chasing and it, just there was something about it's like this movie should never be seen. Like this is the movie that will break me and destroy. And I remember mm-hmm. me, that cover freaked me out so bad. So yeah, it was even that kind of cover where it was just simple. They had this way of catching your attention. Yeah, it's like kind of like it's it's almost forbidden. Yes, yeah, it was dangerous. Yeah, which is was here in Sweden. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> with the band and then the censorship. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, so Movie Warehouse had a great horror section, too. And I remember I would just wander, like you said, I would just wander around staring at all the covers, thinking about, you know, what I'd read. I remember seeing, you know, just covers for everything. Like the, they had things like the 4D man and they had uh, 
Uh, I know there was some Herschel Gordon Lewis stuff like Blood Feast and uh, I think the Gore Gore Girls and, and things like that. And then they would have uh, Blood Diner and Redneck Zombies, but then they'd have like more mainstream. So it was just all together and it was just right there. Uh, I remember that's where I think I first saw the box for... Um, Oh, uh, Video Dead, the Video Dead. You remember that one? Oh, yes. Where it's like coming yep. out of the TV, the console yep. looking TV. Yeah, I just and, and uh, oh, so the other one I always remembered seeing there. It was um, oh, uh, Shockwaves. Yeah, I was picturing this Nazi zombies rising up and I was like, what was yeah, that? That is that is uh, I remember uh, that cover, too, because that is actually a kind of a frightening image. Yeah, it really is. It's so, a great poster. Uh, yeah. yeah. A movie yep. we should cover one day, but we'll go there. Uh, we'll go there later. Um, and yeah. <laughs> and then the other video store that was also a stopping ground for me. And it's funny because it's probably the most mainstream. I actually didn't go to Blockbuster that much. I did. I mean, we would go from time to time. I remember one time going to Tallahassee uh, when I was visiting my mom because they were living up there at that point. And I re- I rented The Undertaker and His Pals. I don't know if you remember that one. <laughs> I I saw that. Just, I think it was today. I think I, someone posted a, a, on on Instagram or something. Are you yeah, serious? That, that cover. I'm like, okay. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I don't know who did it. Uh, uh, someone just put up uh, an image of that uh, that the VHS, uh, the Undertaker. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. That that is that is impressive that we just pull, you know we pulled that out because uh yeah it was it was made in '66 and it was a uh, I have no idea what it is. It do yeah it's a really I think it deals with cannibals or something but it's one of those just really low budge low rent half the time you can't even see, at least on the VHS you couldn't even see what was going on it was so dark uh, but I remember mm. I rented that and that I rented a documentary called I think it's called a family portrait and it was this whole documentary about Texas Chainsaw Massacre because by that point I was in high school and I loved the movie uh, but it was a documentary I think you could actually I think it's on Amazon Prime now if I'm not mistaken uh, I think it was called like a family I, portrait yeah I think I've seen that title somewhere around yeah but those that's like my one of my only like re- remember renting from blockbuster stories but the place I would go to at the Winterhaven Mall it was called Specs and Specs was like music and movies and they would sell lots of CDs and tapes and the 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 tape singles and all that stuff but they at our mall they ended up breaking it up into like you had the video store part that was at the front of the mall and you could actually access it without going into the main mall it's like they had a external door and then hmm. it go you go a little further inside and that's where they had the music portion of it i guess okay and i remember they would do things like they'd have these you know 99 cent wednesdays and so i would go in and i'd rent five movies spend five bucks i'd get five movies and those would just easily carry me through the weekend and they and again they had a great horror section i remember i rented everything from uh, last house on the left and rabbit grannies rabbit oh rabbit <laughs> grannies i actually had on laserdisc i never rented that that was actually a laserdisc somebody gave to me <laughs> <laughs> we we had that in the, the video store. Yeah, we had a lot of weird, weird stuff. My point being, I just remember, I remember Specs is like, again, it's a, it was a very kind of blockbuster-y type story in that it was very corporate and very not like your mom and pops at all. But I have this warm fuzzy about the thing because it was just, and I don't know if it was just the way that particular one was run, but I seem to remember seeing up posters hanging up. Do you remember the, I think they were called the witchcraft films? There was like 12 of them or 15 of them or something stupid. Do you remember these things? It rings a bell. Yeah, it was like it was a whole series. I think they were I never saw any of them. This is the funny part of the story. Yeah, the witchcraft came out in 88 and then witchcraft 2 is in 89. It's like every other year. They looked kind of like these CD kind of almost like soft core 
erotica horror movies is basically the best way to put it. And if you you go look it up, you'll see the poster. You'll immediately recognize it. But I remember seeing a poster for one of these hanging like up on the wall. I remember the movie Mirror Mirror that we covered on HMP a while back that I ended up had I had never seen. I finally watched it. I really loved. I remember seeing some sort of promotional material for that. I remember seeing, I think the poster for Bad Dreams in one of those stores. Yep. There's all these little snippets. I, re- I can picture Death by Temptation. You remember that one? I remember seeing that, ah, yes. that yep, yep. box. I can picture that box and going through and looking at it, thinking it looked really cool or, or The Borrower. Which was the uh, the uh, day uh, not David Naughton that's the uh, guy from America with London uh, John uh, McNaughton the guy who did uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer Yep So you've seen the Borrower It's got Tom Towles in it Do you know what I'm talking uh, about See I'm not Yeah I know which one you're talking I'm, I'm not sure Yeah it came out ninety one and it's the one where it's an alien and if I remember correctly he steals people's heads I mean it rings a bell so I might have seen it Yeah but I guess what I'm saying is that I just those memories and those moments for those kind of movies, that's why I miss that. I miss, miss the video stores. It wasn't just the going and finding something. There was something to that. And and the fact that there was somewhat of a limitation, because unless you're willing to go to every store in town, you know, you yeah. had your certain stores you went to and what they had, they had. And I know that that kind of counters the argument I've made in the past, which is, well, look at streaming. Oh, we're supposed to have access to everything, but then you go in and stuff is missing. But here's the difference. There was something about, to me, when I went to a video store, there was like this element of discovery that yes. because it was a tangible, physical object, it I don't know, it felt more real, for lack of a better way of putting it. And then, like, it's like you, a treasure hunt. Yes, it was. It's like a treasure hunt. And I, I just remember, you know, you'd go and you'd, like you said, these covers. I mean, how many full moon, you know, movies would you see? You'd see Puppet Masters or Trancers 2 or 3 or Scanner I saw Cop. a lot of, because I'm the older guy here. There's a lot of the, the 70s and even from the 60s, the, the movies that came out there. The covers for a lot of those horror movies were... Uh, that was some creepy stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I guess you'd see these things, you'd see these posters, you'd see, you know, all of these, this ephemera, the, this marketing material, and it just would really capture you and capture your imagination. Like you said, there was something about, like, I remember, I think it was Movie Warehouse, they would always give away little free bags of popcorn. And those little ones, you almost like you get the circus where they were the little paper sleeve where mm-hmm. it had the red stripes on it, just said popcorn across it. And you get a free bag of popcorn when you checked out. So the place always smelled like popcorn whenever you went into it. And uh, I just... I remember that. I remember, again, because of my wife having a connection to it, we would occasionally get the screener tapes, which I'm sure you would get, right? Where he'll cross the bottom. It would say, this is not yeah. for rental or resale. This is a screener tape only. It was a way for them to try to get you to buy uh, the movies to carry in the store. So occasionally we got to uh, see movies like that. I think like I that. have a couple of screener, both VHSs and DVDs. Oh, both. Very, very I nice. worked at the store, so. Hypothetically, allegedly. <laughs> is a statute of limitations up on that? <laughs> But anyway, the point is, I want to reiterate what you said, too. I think there's something about the social dynamic, about you know, going there with friends or if there's somebody that worked there that you talk to. Yeah, get recommendations. Yes, and having that back and forth. There, that, personally, is something I miss. I actually remember reading an article. I can't remember where this was. So if anybody out there knows, you know, definitely leave it in the comment section. But it was someone who had taken their basement, and they had a huge VHS collection, and they essentially remodeled the basement to be a replica 1980s video store. 
They oh even went so far as to have like they had like the glass counter at the front and like a cash register and like a Commodore. Or, I think they used like a Commodore 64 or something, but it, it all worked too. It was like a way for them to keep track of the inventory. It was all like this. It was, it almost seemed like an art installation. Heaven. Yeah, heaven. Yes, that too. But it was like an art <laughs> installation where you had this thing. And I think he even said, if I remember, if I'm remembering this correctly, or maybe what I was doing is projecting into what I would want to do, which is, I think he even made up rental cards for like for his friends and family and stuff. And so they could come there and they could borrow movies and, you know, they would kind of go through the whole process and he would every, you know, like a few times a week, he would quote unquote work in the video store and, you know, people would come in. I just, I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Like that, <laughs> I would love that so much. Yeah. Well, Peter, I think to wrap this up, uh, first off, I want to thank you for joining me for this discussion. I really appreciate it. And I, I got to learn some things like uh, the fact that you uh, worked at that one video store for seven years. I don't know why I never knew that, but I didn't know that, which I know now, which is cool. Yeah, it was. That's it for this episode. We'd like to invite you to get involved in the Horror Movie Podcast community. You can leave a comment in the show notes for this episode at horrormoviepodcast.com, where you can also find this and all of our past episodes. You can also connect with us on Twitter at HorrorMovieCast. And please subscribe and leave a review for Horror Movie Podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to us on Stitcher and Spotify. And don't forget to get your listener-designed HMP t-shirts at horrormoviepodcast.com slash store. We'd like to thank composer Kagan Breitenbach for creating our Horror Movie Podcast theme song. You can find more of Kagan's work at kaganbreitenbach.com. Thanks for joining us for this episode. We hope you'll be back for our next episode of Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. It was special. I mean, it really was. And and when they finally released Raiders on on uh, video, see, because back then, I mean, this is 1981. We didn't we didn't get our first VCR till 83. So I didn't even know that was a reality in 81. I didn't know you could right. own a movie. And I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. When the video came out, it was $49.95 for the video, which at the time was a steal because prior to Raiders of the Lost Ark, they were selling videos for $89 to $100 is what we were paying for a movie on video. And I'm talking a full screen, you know, (laughs) sometimes pan and scan (laughs) copy of the movie. And that's what we paid for Holy Moses. Can you imagine? Holy Moses, we paid $89.95. For Holy Moses, a pan and scan of Holy Moses. But when they came out with Raiders of forty nine ninety five, my father didn't bat an eye. He's like, "Oh yeah, we got to get that." And he and said, "Oh, and it's even a trailer for um, the next one, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom at the beginning." Which it wasn't. They lifted a couple scenes from <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark and just talked about Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. But that was pretty cool too. You covered so much in part one. The, the 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 fact that you were able to come up with with something more for part two, I think, is is pretty incredible. I mean, yes, the eighties are are, are uh, a very diverse time period as far as horror goes, but you really did get uh, into a lot of it um, in in the first one, and I can't wait to see what you cover this time around. I'm really looking forward to it.
Well, thanks. Yeah, you know, th this one has more of a worldview. I mean, the first one arguably scratched the surface because hundreds, there were hundreds of, of movies from around the world that would make our way, you know, on cable and theaters and to our video store. And uh, there's only so much that you could cover. And I, I get a broader worldview this time around. And there's a lot more, there's a whole Italian movies chapter. You know, we, we, we dive into Argento and, and oh, Fulci yes. and Baba and, and awesome. those folks. And um, uh, Tetsuo, the Iron Man. Uh, I had I have an interview with uh, Shinya Sukamoto, the director of that, uh, with, with subtitles. Uh, in our film. And, awesome. uh, you know, it just movies from around the globe. I mean, Bad Taste from New Zealand, Peter Jackson, you know, uh, <laughs> Russell Mulcahy's uh, Razorback, you know, from Australia. Um, we, we talk a little bit about, you know, video nasties. We talk about some of the more controversial stuff like that cannibal, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that wave of cannibal movies. And, you know, if you were one of those folks like I was who everyone talked about, um, Faces of Death, and 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 you couldn't get a copy in your video store quite yet. And people said, "Is this real?" And someone got that that bootleg copy, and we all sat and watched this thing. Um, you know that experience is pretty cool to reminisce about and and dissect as to why, why these things were important to us in the first place. Um, there, there's lots of new material and lots of ground to cover, and I'm excited to share it because. Uh, there's no repeats. I mean, it's all brand new movies and it's all brand new content and chapters. And uh, it's a it's an ongoing story. There was something else I was going to tell you and I'm blinking on it, but uh, oh well. No, a I'm movie, a thing, a link? I, remember, or... I honestly don't remember what it was. It was I, thought, <laughs> I, I remember thinking it was important, Your but it must not have been that important. Oh, that's where are my car keys? The, 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 yeah. the, first, the first movie I ever saw on my neighbor's cable, which was Chomps. <laughs> that's great. Nice. First, right. movie, I, well, first um, movie I ever saw on cable was Death Trap. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I, hey, I, I, was, I was definitely shocked when, uh, you know, Christopher Reeve. When, when Michael Caine leaned in to Christopher Reeve. Right. Yeah, I think I was too. I was like, whoa, what a twist. And then the movie just kept twisting from that point on. Yeah, yeah. And and I remember, I very much remember it had a great uh, marketing campaign where they were in a Rubik's Cube. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> very much of the era. And that's a great movie that no, not very, you know, I can't say nobody because you just talked about it. But few people talk about that film. And uh, Diane Cannon was the third person in that one. And yes. It was a good movie. It really was. I, I, I don't even know how to find that. There, there are some movies where... I think about how I haven't seen it in so long, not much less thought about it. And uh, I do, there's no video stores to rent it. And if it's right. not on streaming, it's definitely hard to find. Yeah, definitely. I think your voice and like worldview is perfectly in line with what our listeners love. So it, it always compliments our show. Anytime yes. you want to come on, I think it's a perfect fit for what our listeners are into. And so, yeah, we're, we're happy. All right, Chomps and Condor Man next. Yes. There exactly. you go. <laughs> <laughs>